David Osorio has over 1,000 members at CrossFit South Brooklyn. You heard that right. Over 1,000 members. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't have 1,000 members, this is the podcast for you. So whether you're an affiliate owner, maybe you're a coach because you're going to want to listen in because he's had coaches that have been on staff for over 10 years. Point is, David Osorio is doing shit right at CrossFit South Brooklyn, and you're going to hear all about how, why he's doing it, and what you can do to implement those same strategies at your box. This is a great interview. I've known David for over 10 years now, hard to believe, but man, he's really created something special out in Brooklyn, and it's really a privilege and honor to have him on this podcast to talk about it. You're going to understand very quickly why CrossFit South Brooklyn is so exceptional, It's the way David runs it. He promotes the culture, the community. It's a family there. If you ever have an opportunity to visit, I highly recommend it. Check it out. My interview with David Osorio, it's going to help your box grow. It's going to help you become a better coach. It's even going to help you become a better CrossFit member. As always, I try to bring to you the best in the world, the best coaches, the best box owners, the best mentors on best hour of their day. If you're enjoying this, if you're loving what I'm putting out there, please subscribe to the podcast on any platform, and please, please, please leave us a review and share this on social media so we can impact more people. I love you guys. I appreciate it. Right now, I'm excited to present to you my interview with David Osorio. Welcome back to Best Hour of Their Day. Today's guest is David Osorio. I've known David. We met in, it must have been 2008, right? Yeah, yeah, it was 2008, if I'm not mistaken. I was, the, uh, what was that competition called? It was called the East Coast CrossFit Challenge. That's right. And I actually wasn't even registered to compete. I just showed up in like tennis shoes and like pants because I thought it was sold out. Well, in fairness, that was your typical attire back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you showed up, I remember you had a bunch of people competing from your affiliate. And I was like, dude, you're here compete yeah <laughs> i was just like all right um so, yeah because i remember i thought it was sold out and you were doing registration that's where we started chatting and then i ended up doing the competition and then yeah we just got friendly from there and i think beyond that we worked on the first regionals together what year was that i think we did our first regional together in 2010 and then you and i continued to work together until i moved and maybe you know, the last one in Boston, and you continued while there were regionals. You were the competition director. But let me give you the the real introduction. I just kind of dove into our friendship. But, you know, (laughs) if you don't know David Osorio, he has, I think, one of the most successful CrossFit affiliates around. And I'm not just blowing smoke. Like, from a member standpoint, size standpoint, financial standpoint, CrossFit South Brooklyn is amazing. You opened it in 2007. In addition to that, like you just said, you were the competition director at the Northeast Regionals. And we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to promote some other things. But David's got some great stuff. He's got a blog called Inside the Affiliate, where he does great articles on owning a box and how to run a successful box. And he's been on the CrossFit podcast. He has a some sort of working relationship with Beyond the Whiteboard. We have some great videos that CrossFit has shared. Anything else you've done that you know, listeners that are like, who is this guy? Why should I listen for the next 30 minutes? We'll um, in for? 
Yeah, beyond what you said, there's some, there's some other videos uh, Michael Dalton did for the CrossFit Journal. If you look inside CrossFit South Brooklyn, uh, if you search for that in the CrossFit Journal, you can see they did about, I think, like five to eight videos uh, all about my gym and kind of our ethos and different kinds of classes that we run. And that'll definitely give folks a pretty good idea of what CrossFit South Brooklyn is all about. Well, and you had that great video that people might remember. I forget the woman's name. Oh, Constance. Yeah. Constance. Is she still there training hard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Constance is around. Uh, I just saw her last week. Um, but yeah, she was my client. She, we started training together when she was 77. Um, and she came in with just like a plethora of ailments and joint replacements and issues. Um, and yeah, her son got her into it. And long story short, we made a short video in the gym and it was just, it was really cool. So I was like, I don't want to put this out myself. Let me send this to CrossFit. And it kind of blew up from there. Um, so most people have seen that kind of cross this video with, with her, uh, you know, doing ring rows and dragging the sled and talking about, you know, how it's affected her life. I believe I did her son's level one at one point. I don't remember where that was or who, what his name was, but I remember he told me that was his mom. Yeah. Well, it was probably him. That was probably Chris. (laughs) You also, I mean, for some reason you've been training these, you know, older spokesmen, but you are Jacinto's first coach as well. Um, I don't know if I was his first coach. He was at CrossFit NYC. Okay. So he was part of the original CrossFit NYC crew. I met Jacinto. We actually shared a room together uh, when I got my level one in Pittsburgh in 2008, which back then you could uh, apply for affiliation before you got your level one. Um, as long as like, you know, you had basically signed up for it. So in early 2008, I met Jacinto and, uh, yeah, we've been friends together. We worked together at South Brooklyn. Like he worked, um, he coached for a little while. And now he's got his own thing, CrossFit 1939. Yeah, I saw that. He's training. Looks like it's in his backyard. Yeah, it's like in his basement, his backyard too. All right. Well, let's let me ask you some quick questions so people can get an idea of what CrossFit South Brooklyn is all about, and then I want to dive into some some deeper yeah. coaching and affiliate owner questions. But the first one would just be: How many members do you have at CrossFit South Brooklyn? Uh, we just about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, just cracked the thousand member mark thousand active members so we're low i don't know thousand twenty thousand fifteen somewhere in that somewhere in that range okay so you have a thousand more members than a lot of boxes do that's yeah <laughs> i mean if you're just listening we're four minutes in and i think that's the reason you should be listening because he's clearly doing something right i i don't imagine there's any box with a thousand active members i know crossfit nyc has I think like 2000, I heard. Oh, wow. They have a lot. They have a lot. They have a big, they're a big operation. Um, I'm going to end this podcast and try to get on with one of (laughs) their owners. I'll give you uh, their number. (laughs) But But still, we're definitely, we're definitely up there in terms of, in terms of size. All right. A thousand active members. And what's your current rate? For membership? Yeah. I mean, you probably, I know I, I was there about two years ago. You have a couple different options. What would you say your, your average rate, or what's your rate for just, hey, I want to do CrossFit as many times as I want this week? Yeah, so our unlimited membership for CrossFit is 265 per month. Um, but we have like punch cards and stuff like that, you know, uh, 20 class punch card for 200 bucks, 20 per class. So basically, the range is like our drop in is 25 bucks, and then our unlimited membership is 265, which works out to about like nine bucks per class, seven to nine bucks per class. But we have a, we have that, we have a variety of other programs. We have jujitsu, starting strength, Olympic weightlifting, kids, and a bunch of other stuff. 
So does that 1,000 members include anyone that comes into your affiliate for anything from CrossFit to Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah, so that's um, all our active members. So that's all our training programs. Jiu-Jitsu is primarily members, so those don't get counted double. But um, yeah, you know, kids, personal training. We do a ton of personal training. But really, the uh, the flagship program, the majority of that is going to be in the CrossFit group class. And, and that's cool to hear as well, because I've talked to other affiliate owners, and I see it happen where it's like, hey, they try to diversify so much, but the foundation of a successful box is going to be CrossFit. Yeah, that's sort of the breeding ground for a lot of the other programs, um, I think, you know, especially if you've been around for a long time. You know, you're going to have members who want to kind of dip into some sort of specialization or just kind of explore a different avenue. And if you have that within your gym, um, you know, they can obviously they're going to stay, you know, with you guys and check that out there. But definitely, again, the foundational program is the CrossFit uh, group program. And I think that's, again, that's kind of our bread and butter. We do have a lot of different programs, a lot of different kinds of memberships and things that we offer. But when it comes down to it, yeah, it's, it's primarily a, a CrossFit, CrossFit gym. So very quickly, people that are listening and probably a lot of your members, they do what I refer to as kind of like member math. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Dave has a thousand members. They're paying two sixty five each. Dave is, you know, a billionaire. But <laughs> you know, you know. First of all, let me say, you deserve it if you are. There's nothing wrong with an affiliate owner being successful, both you know from a life perspective, but financial perspective. But but let's talk about some of the expenses you have. I mean, what's rent cost at CrossFit South Brooklyn? And you don't have to give me super specifics if you're not comfortable, but just to show the difference in you know someone listening that you've got a box in Iowa versus South Brooklyn. Yeah, so in New York, um, I mean, property value in our area can be as high as about $40 per square foot in some areas. Um, we're not quite that high, but it is a significant chunk. It's, um, it's north of... Because I've got, so I actually have a kind of interesting situation. I have three separate leases for my one affiliate. I've got my one main space, which is about 5,000 square feet, where I've been in for coming on 10 years now. We have a second floor. Um, we call it the annex. That's about another 1,200 square feet, which we rent from the same landlord, but it's a different lease because it's kind of a different part of the building. And then about three years ago, maybe just over three years ago, we expanded to across the street. The, there's a, there was a warehouse across the street, 5,000 square feet also, that became available. So we picked that up. So that's a separate landlord. So I have three active leases right now. Um, and in some, it's, I'll just say it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've been to It's, not, it's not cheap. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, you have two huge locations, and it's funny how they're basically across the street from one another, but it's like, you know, 10 feet apart. And then you have that space upstairs where I've done my seminar and you have like PT and and that type of stuff going on up there. You know, I want to dive into your coaches, but before that, I think if you've never seen his videos or been to South Brooklyn, there's a very obvious culture there. And it's very obvious that it comes from David. So how important has your culture been to your box? So the, the culture is everything. It's, um, you know, I've said this before where I think that if people came to, when we started in the park, when I originally started in a park and it was like, you know, two, three people, I think the vibe and the ethos was almost identical to what it is now. And that's been so important, that through line of professionalism, of compassion and of fun, I think that we try to bring to the table every single day. 
Um, and I think that really opens people up. Like we do a lot to engage our membership in terms of like, you know, talking to them, question of the day, which a lot of gyms I know do. Um, but there's kind of a constant back and forth. There's a constant engagement and it makes people feel comfortable. It makes people, you know, feel at ease and, and, you know, trust you and want to come back. It makes it a more three-dimensional experience. So the culture is everything. Like, you know, if, if, if there's one thing I've heard almost more than anything else, it's, you know, people feel comfortable, they feel safe, they feel welcome, they feel taken care of at the gym, um, you know, from the coaching to how they get greeted at the front desk to just like people hanging out. So that's, that was always incredibly important to me because basically I wanted to create a job where I wanted to hang out at, you know, I didn't want to feel like, okay, this is work and I just want to get the hell out of here. Um, obviously we all have those days, you know, if you work long enough, but, um, you know, it should feel again, like that third place. I know there's a little cliches, but, but that's been incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important for creating a successful affiliate that's been around as long as we have. And it's funny because you go there and it really is like you're, I'm walking into David Osorio, but then I see your, your bedroom or wherever you're sitting right now. And it's like a stark contrast. So it's pretty funny, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that's probably more your girlfriend's doing than anything. No, I live alone. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really, I mean, you know, I, I love seeing this, you know, from your bathrooms to just <laughs> pictures on the wall. It's really cool at the box. So let's, let's dive into this. How many coaches do you have on staff? We have 11 coaches on staff, um, eight, of, eight of whom are full-time. And when you say full-time, I think you do something pretty cool. You, they, it's like a real job, benefits, et cetera, right? Yes. So our full-time employees, our full-time training staff, they get um, health insurance. We pay The gym pays 80% of their health insurance. Um, they get an optional 401k plan if they want, so they can start to contribute that. And the gym does a 4% match on that. Um, and we do everything, you know, everything obviously dictated by law, but intent, like we have additional like maternity leave, paternity leave, paid vacation, that kind of stuff. Um, and that was really important to me because, you know, anyone who's been in the fitness industry knows how much turnover there is. Um, and I wasn't looking, you know, to create a temporary job for somebody. I was looking to create careers or somewhere where people could actually pay their bills and, you know, plant their roots. Um, because that's, you know, I, I came from the perspective of what, where would I want to work? Would I want to work in my own gym? Would I be able to work in my own gym and survive and, and live in New York city? Um, so that was a really big thing because the, I, you know, since high school, I wanted to do something like this and, you know, I was like, this is my profession and I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm not looking for hobby coaches. I'm not looking for, you know, having to restaff every few months. Um, so that makes it really important so that you can attract and more importantly, keep really high quality coaches. So with that being said, what's your longest term coach? Who's been on staff the longest or how long have they been on? Um, Jeremy has been there for 11 years. Uh, Chris and Jess have probably been there for... 10 at least 10 9 10 or 9 years we have a we have really low turnover so we have had a lot of coaches who have been with us you know for 6 7 8 plus years in so it'll be September of this month it's April now in uh, September of this month we'll celebrate 12 years and i think in that 12 years we've had about four coaches come and go um so we have super low turnover yeah, I mean, I believe Jeremy showed up at the same competition you did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So 11, I mean, 
yeah, listening to this, I'm like, damn, I'd rather work for Dave. You know, you got some good stuff going on there. With with that being said, have you seen many boxes open from within your members or staff? Um, Not too many. A couple have. There's one affiliate that was uh, a couple members from the gym kind of got together and did that. And, you know, it's all like, you know, above board on good graces. Like, you know, we're I, I, uh, Charmel and those guys, I hope them the best at CrossFit Kingsborough. They're great guys. They have a great program. Um, there's been, there's been a couple. Yeah, I think, but I, I don't want to take credit for that. I don't want to like say that it was us. I think that maybe we influenced some folks, but at the end of the day, it was somebody who had a passion who wanted to help somebody out and wanted to take the next step. So that's on them. So I have a chapter in my book about that. And the chapter is basically, I was an asshole and treated this person terribly because I was jealous and mad and, you know, had that scarcity mentality back then. How, yeah. how did you handle it and how do you continue to handle it? I mean, CrossFit, it's, I think maybe it's a little easier when you have a thousand members. You're like, cool, open up. I don't care. But, yeah. you know, it still hurts maybe. How did you handle it when that first box opened from, from one of your members? Yeah, I think um, I kind of took it in stride. It was, it, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal to me. I've always had the mentality that, like, I'm really confident in what we do. I'm really confident in our product. Um, we've had a steady membership base, like, you know, like you said, it is easier for us because we were in the game so early. So we're able to plant our roots pretty deep and establish a really consistent membership base. Um, you know, so I think not so much like about like an individual member or, you know, group of members or whomever leaving to try the gym. I'm not too worried about that. Really. That hasn't been a major issue of any, of any kind, but definitely like, you know, we were the only game in town for many years. We were the only affiliate in Brooklyn, um, certainly in our part of Brooklyn. Um, but then way more have popped up in the last like three, four years. I'd say it's kind of double or tripled at least. But, but um, again, like you control, I can only control what happens in our four walls. And, you know, we continue. It's not, nothing that we're going to do is going to be reactive to anybody else. We've been successful for this long doing what we do and what we believe in. And it's, a, I think, a tried and true, you know, product that we offer um and it keeps people coming back so i'm not really worried i'm not you know i we pay a lot of attention to detail and we pay a lot of attention to like you know how we run classes how we how we develop our staff and things like that so i kind of i don't know if that sounds cocky or whatever but like you know i just have confidence that i'm not worried about what other folks are doing because you know our ship is so well run no i don't think it sounds cocky. i think it sounds the opposite of cocky i think it sounds like you work really hard to get there. It's not that this happened by accident. That's kind of the direction I want to go with the rest of this interview. But it's it's funny because you are so detail-oriented. And your personality, not that you're an unorganized person. You're far from that. But you're so chill, so relaxed. But it's very clear at the box that things are run very meticulously. And that doesn't mean you know, like a dictator, I think it'd be the contrary. I think you run it very chill and relaxed. And because of that, everyone really follows suit is, and is on board. And you, you know, I think the big lesson, if you're listening up to this point is take care of your people and they take care of you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely have a very laid back, you know, personality. I'm very optimistic. Um, you know, I'm not looking for drama or trouble, things like that. I'm a pretty easygoing guy. Um, and I think definitely a little bit of that, or, you know, a good part of that has, has seeped into the culture of our gym in general. Um, but that being said, that doesn't mean that we're lax about what we do. Like we, we really care about what we do. 
and we have a clear vision about what a class should run like, what a what a personal training should be like, you know, what people should experience when they come to our gym, and and we want to keep our standards high. And you know, it gives people pride in their in their job and in their community and their gym and their culture. You know, if you see everyone's kind of pulling their weight, everyone wants to be there, everyone takes their profession seriously, and everyone everyone's having fun while doing it. You know, it just kind of keeps feeding into itself in terms of creating a really positive atmosphere where you know people want to live up to uh, to the culture of the gym. So let's let's talk about the growth. You, what it's easy to kind of pinpoint these things that you've done well, and and I want to do I do want to talk about them. But looking back, what's one of the biggest mistakes you made? Um. You know, I don't think I have one main big thing that I'm like, oh my god, like I wish I never did that. That was a, that was a total fucking bust, or um, you know, uh, was a really problem became problematic for us. I think more than anything else, um, it's a lot of little things. You know, it's like maybe letting something slide for too long with an employee, and then letting it become a problem later on, or just kind of ignoring something about, you know, something operational. So I don't really have any major things like what we did which was nice was that everything was so gradual. Like I mentioned, I started in the park, so I had, you know, no overhead and very little, you know, risk. And then we were renting uh, per hour in a, a shared space. So I was able to again grow it gradually. So the whole thing, the whole, this whole process has been super, um, it's been a super slow, organic kind of progressive growth. And I think that's mitigated a lot of risk. So like when you say like, you know, what do you regret? You know, there's definitely a bunch of situations that I would have handled differently, things I would have approached, you know, uh, with hindsight a, a bit differently in terms of, well, again, whether it be how we structured some of our programs or how we, um, how I, you know, interacted with a particular coach about an issue or something like that. But for the most part, there's nothing that I'm like, oh my God, I wish we never did that. It, um, it's just it's, little stuff. Yeah. It, it's tough too, because like me, you know, I don't think we we started our boxes to be business owners, right? You you were a trainer. You're, you're content training people in the park. Then all of a sudden, you have eleven full time coaches, and you're providing a four hundred one k program. So a lot of this we had to learn as we as we went. And in two thousand seven, yeah. two thousand eight, there were no mentors teaching us what to do. We were the mentors. Right. Right. Yeah, I felt certainly in New York, I felt like I was like kind of on an island <laughs> alone. You probably felt the same way in Albany, where you could get everyone doing CrossFit, you know, in the in the city, probably into one auditorium, and or once in the whole state, probably in one auditorium. Um, so yeah, we were definitely you know flying by the seat of our pants and kind of figuring on the fly. And I definitely had no formal business training. I still don't don't have a business plan. Um, you know, my only business sense was spend less money than I make. Um, in terms of the hat. And then from there, just, you know, try to do a really good job. And, you know, if, uh, if, if we are doing a good job, you know, the proof is going to be people are going to keep coming back and we're going to grow. So, so with that being said, I was the same way. It was like, what do we have in the bank account? Cool. This is what I can buy this month or right. this is what I can pay people. How has that changed from you? I mean, your gross, you know, is in, in the six figure range. How does that change when all of a sudden you have that much coming in? Do you bring on a full-time accountant? Do you switch to like a profit-first mentality? What changes from a business owner perspective? I definitely don't have a profit-first mentality, and I don't have a growth mentality. 
in, in the sense of like growing the membership. Um, you know, it's, I've never been like, I need to grow my gym. I want to get, you know, bigger. I, like I've never, ever, like we don't advertise, we don't try to get new members. We don't do like Groupon and stuff like that to get people in the door. Um, you know, it's just, it, again, it's kind of just been down to, we do what we do and I think the proof is in the pudding and then people will keep coming. But in terms of like, my dad helps me out with my accounting. Um, he's retired and he's like, you know, hyper organized, especially with numbers and stuff like that. So he is um, always helping me out to make sure that we're, you know, we're staying, staying in the black, but the basic philosophy hasn't changed at all. Just stay in the black. You know, how much money do you have in the bank account? Can I afford that? Yes. No. If I can, you know, is it a benefit to the membership? Um, is it worth it? But it's, you know, it's just, it's the same thing, but everything's a much bigger scale, which can be kind of intimidating. Like, you know, when you're in the park, you're like, all right, I've got a thousand dollars in my bank account, you know, that I've saved up. I can buy, you know, these three things. I can buy a kettlebell now and I can buy a couple jump ropes. Um, now, obviously the numbers are a lot bigger and the purchases we make, you know, are, are substantially bigger, but it's the same exact. It's just, you know, basically a scaled version of what I was doing in the park. You, you seem to have from a distance, you know, I'll give out your social media and all that, but you seem to have a great life balance. You know, you're constantly, yeah. your social media is filled with museums and art and all sorts of weird shit that David Osorio likes. Right. So yeah. how do you keep such a strong life balance? Cause that's important. If you're an affiliate owner listening, you're probably nodding your head that like it takes over your life. Yeah. And I've seen plenty of marriages and, relationships and because of that what what are some things you do purposefully to maintain that i think that well one it comes down to staffing like in the beginning i was definitely doing everything um but again it was a relatively it wasn't we weren't even open seven days a week when we first started you know for the first like probably couple of years um so that was built that was kind of baked into it where i knew i was going to be doing everything answering every email writing the blog every day, programming the workouts, running most of the classes, um, and all the million other things, you know, that come up along the way every day. Um, but luckily it was, you know, not a huge operation. So I was able to stay on top of it. And it really just comes down to, as we grew, finding roles for people to take up the things that I couldn't do, couldn't do well, or wouldn't want to do. Um, so that you maintain that balance. Like the things that I really like coaching, I still like, coach a lot of classes. I have some, I have a lot of personal training clients and kind of, that's what I got into. Those are the things that make me happy. I really like coaching. I like doing, you know, working with our staff and managing folks and kind of, you know, being at the gym and making sure everything's running well. Um, so it doesn't feel like a huge choice. I, the, the positions that I put myself into the gym, I really enjoy doing even like cleaning and shit like that. Sometimes I just enjoy, you know, walking around the gym and making sure everything's in place and kind of staying on top of stuff that way. But Again, it makes sure like if you're if you're overwhelmed, you got to find someone to do it. There's people in your circle, whether they're coaches or members, who you know you can work something out with that are going to take on administrative roles or cleaning roles or just the things that, that you don't have time for because you don't want to bury yourself into a hole. Um, you know the way I look at it, it's like a lot of CrossFit gyms or a lot of gyms in, or sorry businesses in general. You know they 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 dig themselves a hole, so they start with like a massive debt. They buy a bunch of equipment, they, you know, lease a big space, and then they basically take a hit and they live in the red, you know, for six months to a year plus to try to get themselves out. Um, and how I had done it when I started in the park, again, with no overhead, I felt like instead of digging a hole and trying to, and, you know, pull myself out of it, 
I basically like, you know, took a spoon and, you know, put some dirt down and then a cup and then just gradually made it bigger. So I think scaling the business gradually really afforded me the ability to kind of have that work-life balance as I was able to grow the business, you know, and grow my role in it as it, as the gym expanded. And then ultimately, as it kept gotten better, just making sure that you have the people there, you know, that where I can like, you know, go on vacation for two weeks and I'm not losing sleep over our emails getting answered, our classes, you know, running on time, our things happening the way they always do. Um, so just having that balance and then just, yeah, being intentional about like getting out of the fucking gym world. Um, you know, what does I that look up, like for you? What does that look like for you? Um, uh, like you said, a lot of, actually I'm going to the, after, our, after our meeting today, I'm going, or our, our interview today, I'm going to the Guggenheim. So, um, you know, for me, it's a lot of, it's music, it's, you know, just kind of, you know, dumb shit going around the city, whatever, exploring, but, um, yeah, music and art are the two other things that I'm, that I'm really into. But, um, and just making time for that, you know, making that a priority. And, and, you know, I probably, I do something work related every single day. You know, there's very few days where the entire days go by and I'm not, you know, I didn't answer a couple emails or I, you know, I didn't, you know, check in on somebody or text somebody or whatever the case might be. But, um, it's, it's when it's a labor of love, it's not a big deal. You know, it's like, you want to be doing those things. You don't want to be completely away from the business. You want to be invested in what's happening. But at the same time, I'm able to like, okay, check in, answer a couple emails. It might be time sensitive or whatever, but then go on with my day and, and, you know, not let it stress me out. I think I'm writing this down because it's, you know, I think this is really what I would sum up from you. Create a box you want to be at. Yeah. Create somewhere that you would want to work as an employee. Create somewhere that you would want to hang out at. Create somewhere that you want to train at. I love it. Speaking of training, how, what's your training like? You know, you're a box owner. You've been involved in CrossFit since 2007. You worked out prior to that. What What's training like for you these days? I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this, you've been in CrossFit for 10 years like I am. You know, I don't think you're as old as I am, but you know, you're in your mid to late 30s. What's training look like now? Uh, you know, I primarily take our CrossFit group classes uh, for two for a few reasons. One is because... I stand behind what we do, and I think it it definitely um, you know sends a message to members and to coaches and to everybody else that I'm in there doing those classes with the members. Um, obviously, I might I do a little extra work, or it's not every single class is the membership, but the, or with uh, members. But I would say like eighty percent of what I do is I take our group classes because again I stand behind what we do. I want to experience what they experience. And I feel like if that training isn't good enough for me, then what are we doing? You know? Um, and I'm pretty chill about my training. Like my, my, like I'm not a hyper competitive person. You know, I'm really interested in movement quality. I'm really interested in, you know, developing capacity and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I just want to be healthy. I want to be safe. I want to have fun. I want to stay injury free. Um, you know, feel good. So I'm not, I'm not one of those folks doing, you know, multiple things a day or, you know, going crazy over it, but I come get my workout done, throw down, have fun, and then move on with my day. Yeah, old school mentality. We've we've seen the changes in the last year at CrossFit.com. Whether it's the programming, the games changes. Have you seen an impact on at the affiliate level because of that? Of these recent changes since the beginning of this year, you mean? Yeah. Or just I mean yeah. the, the shift in general. I mean. Clearly, there's no regionals. The, yeah. the structure of the games has changed a bit. The programming on .com's a little different. I had a James McDermott on 
episode, second episode, and they use dot-com programming and have seen tremendous success in their athletes, crazy PRs, strength mm-hmm. improvements, et cetera. Have you noticed the difference at, at CrossFit South Brooklyn? No, the, you know, because we have so, we're such a big ship at this point that like stuff like that is not going to have a direct influence on our membership or our culture that much. I think that all that stuff is pretty self-contained. I mean, I have my own, you know, personal opinions about some of the changes and what's going on. Um, but no, I wouldn't say it has any really profound or, or tangible effect on, on what we do in terms of our four walls. We continue to program the way that we do, run our classes the way we do, treat our members the way that we do. Um, I'm really curious to see how this restructuring affects the future because, you know, I think I, a lot of people, a lot of people come in for referrals, you know, a friend of theirs comes in or they heard about CrossFit, they want to check it out or whatever. Um, but we do get a good, good people who, you know, do come in because they saw it on, you know, whether it be ESPN or CBS or whatever the games and stuff are on and that kind of piqued their interest. So I'm curious to see, you know, how moving forward this shakeup and these changes affect the public's perception of CrossFit and the public public's interest and ability to uh, access, you know, what what CrossFit might look like when one expression of it, which be the games. But but ultimately, no, yeah, there's been definitely been shakeups. I'm very aware of them. Um, Again, like I said, curious to see what happens and how things move forward. But in terms of our gym, you know, what we do is is pretty dialed in so it's not gonna we're gonna keep you know staying our course someone listening to this if they want to you know become a better coach or improve their box or maybe even open their box what's one piece of advice you would give them i you know you've, you've thrown out some great nuggets along the way but do you have one specific piece of advice you would give them um one if I had one, I mean, I think to kind of dovetail back into something we talked about is, you know, make it the space that you'd want to be in. I think a lot of people have, you know, a lot of people will open a gym, for example, without ever having worked in the fitness industry. You know, they never woke up at 5 a.m. to train their 6 a.m. clients and, you know, spent all day, like slept all afternoon and then stayed up late and had a really weird, you know, work-life balance and schedule and stuff like that. And they kind of take for granted everything that goes into coaching. So, you know, make sure that you're coming from some place of experience where you understand what it's like to be a coach so that when you create an opportunity for other people to become coaches in your facility, you know, it's been structured from a place of understanding and empathy and, and, you know, wanting to do a good job for the right reasons, not just being like, I'm going to just throw this out there and I have no context for what it's actually like to be an employee in my own, in my own space. So, uh. I think that's I think that's a big part of it is like I think most people are self-aware enough that like would I want to work in my own gym you know and if the answer is no or I couldn't be able to afford you know my rent um, it's not going to work for other people and the foundation of any CrossFit gym is the staff you know it might the the culture you know might trickle down uh, from the top or it does I think um, but ultimately it's that staff that's gonna that's gonna actually determine whether you're not successful because those are the ambassadors for your classes every single day so you really gotta you gotta care about those people you gotta you know do right by them and they'll do right by you um that's the most important thing i think is taking care of your staff um because they'll take care of the membership and that's ultimately the the sort of ecosystem of the gym will you you bring up staff again do you hire from within only or would you hire anyone 
off the street if they had the right resume? Uh, I've only hired, there's been one coach who I didn't hire from within um, our membership. Every other, every other coach that has and does work for us was a member. And, you know, some of them had training backgrounds. Some of them were members, but they were also personal trainers or had experience coaching or whatever. Some of them were, were totally green coaching. Um, and I did that because I wanted to vet their personalities you know, you can only know so much about somebody after an interview or two. Um, but once you kind of share a space with someone and you see them interact with people and you get kind of a, a deeper appreciation for what their motivations are and their personality, only then I think can you make a, a determined decision to, and we have that luxury in CrossFit. Most other businesses have nothing like that where, you know, prospective employees are going to be hanging out, you know, in your space and talking to you and doing stuff for a while. But no, we, we only hire from within. Um, yeah, because again, I, you can't like this again, another cliche, but you can't teach someone not to be dramatic or to be, you know, um, have a problematic personality. Um, so as much as you can kind of, you know, have a firewall against that where you vet people beforehand, um, all the better. Yeah, I like to say I can teach anyone how to coach a squat, but I can't teach you how to not be an asshole. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're pretty well read. What's one book you'd recommend for aspiring coaches or box owners? Um, I don't read a lot of business, but the last, last book I read was Sapiens, which I loved. You mentioned that to me when we were talking on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, that's a phenomenal book. And I think that, you know, I would say read a book like Sapiens because it gives you, you know, it maybe takes, takes you a step out of what you're doing and gives you greater context for, um, for what's it called? For uh, you know your your role in in a, a much larger scheme. You know, you talk a lot about being the best hour of someone's day, and I think having you know cultural historical context for your place in history and what you're doing can have maybe just from a philosophical perspective have a profound effect on someone about like fuck, like I'm living in this moment. I have this opportunity to help these people, and you know this isn't unprecedented time in history we're able to you know have a business like this and do the kind of things that we do um so i think that makes it all the more valuable but um beyond that another book i might recommend is motivational interviewing um which is i don't know if you've heard of that it's basically a methodology that was originally developed to work uh with people who had substance abuse issues um but in, in then it kind of extrapolated from there from to healthcare and criminal justice etc but effectively, it's just a means of when you're talking to somebody, understanding what their motivation is, um, you know, instead of like rushing solutions. So somebody comes to you in, in the simplest terms in our you know, language, someone comes to you and, you know, they, they're overweight. Um, you know, you're not going to just unprompted start giving them solutions for how they're going to, you know, how they're going to basically change their life. You're going to understand where their motivations are. Basically teaches you everybody, everybody is rational and motivated, right? It may seem that may not seem the case to you, but whatever their actions are, even however self-destructive or whatever, it's rational to them. It makes sense in their worldview and they're motivated to do it. And even if it's something like exercise, like if they're not exercising, they're motivated to not exercise. It's not that they're not motivated to exercise, it's they're motivated to not exercise because they're nervous or they feel uncomfortable in the gym or they don't know what they're doing or it seems too expensive or they just don't like being uncomfortable, you know, so they're motivated to avoid that, avoid that activity. Um, and I think that's been a really helpful sort of kind of mindset for talking to members throughout the years, talking to coaches and, and, 
you know, making, because basically what we do is we, we work with, as you know, tons of people, tons of different personalities, and you need a lot of emotional intelligence to be successful with all those people. And how you talk to one person in class might be completely different how you talk to another person in class. So that book, I think, is helpful in just kind of having developing empathy and, and having better skills for communicating and listening to people instead of kind of just throwing your own, your own opinions and, and directives at them unprompted. Sounds like a great book. I'm going to add that to my list. And I think, you know, if you're listening, what David's saying is have empathy. And, and a lot of that is the art of coaching. I mean, coaching CrossFit is definitely, hey, midline stabilization, but it's a lot more about finding that person's motivation and and having that empathy so they want to come back. When you have a thousand people, you have a thousand different personalities, a thousand different factors and reasons for them to be there. Yeah, definitely. What's What's the one thing you are most proud of since opening CrossFit South Brooklyn? One thing I'm most proud of. Um, and I hate to bring up something we already talked about, but I think the low turnover of our staff, um, you know, having the fact that most of our staff have been there for five, six, seven, you know, up to 10 plus years, I think speaks volumes about what we do. Um, you know, because you're going to have those long-term as we definitely have, you know, members who are 10 plus year members, but people come and go. And, you know, that's the natural process of any business, you know, regardless of what you offer, you're going to have your diehards and they're going to kind of come and go a little bit over time, especially been around, you know, this, this long in the game, we've been coming up on 12 years. Um, but I think I'm most proud again, kind of of our staff. I'm most proud of, you know, the, the, what they bring to the table and, you know, their consistency and the fact that we've had, we've been able to maintain and retain such high level coaches for so long. And I think that's kind of, to me, it feels validating. Yeah. I think that's really something to be proud of. I think if every box can strive to do that, they would immediately become more successful. All right. Definitely. Last couple of questions I have. One is very specific to you. You've become recognized for, questions of the day at your box yeah and it's something i use often and i probably you know stole it from you but what are three or four of your favorite questions of the day so people are listening and they want to implement in that class and you know so what if they're not sure what that means you have your whiteboard brief but david does these questions that kind of break the tension you know whether you have new members or just getting to know your your long-term members you have a few favorites that if somebody wanted to to start using they can do yeah i think i mean the one thing i'll say is that the question of the day the the important thing is the intention behind it the intention like you said is to kind of break the ice to get people laughing um to get people just for a moment interacting because everybody comes to that class or most people or at the very least some people you know come to your class and they're vulnerable they're a little nervous they're kind of like they don't know that many people they're new maybe um, and it just, it's in, like I, I mentioned before, like the engagement with the community and the membership is so important. It's the constant engagement. It's not a one-sided, here's this training service we offer, show up, you know, work out, leave, go home. You know, they want to feel like there's a conversation happening that really humanizes the whole experience in a very, very profound and important way. So I think that, you know, the question can be said like yesterday's question was, um, 
if you had to pick something from the gym as a weapon, what would it be? <laughs> you know, something like that. Or, um, you know, what's one of your, you know, what's something that's overrated? What's something that, you know, that you think is totally overrated? Or what's, a, you know, what's something that you wasted a ton of money on or something that you regret buying? You know, it, again, it's just a matter of like getting people to engage. What you don't want is to become stale where it's like, hey, guys, what's your favorite color? You know, what's your, and then the intention is gone. The intention is not there to engage, just to go through the motions of it. And, uh, you know, you do this every day for 12, you know, years, and we do it every single day. Um, with the exception of it's a really big class where it would be uh, time prohibitive to go through everybody, then we're not going to do the question of the day, but we'll find other ways to engage people. But the majority, vast majority of classes, we do this. Um, the intention, again, is are people laughing? Are we engaging? Are we asking kind of an open-ended question that, you know, can draw out a little bit of someone's personality? I still think you need to create a database <laughs> for people. I've asked you this numerous times. You have. You have. You, I mean, like... Every six months or so, I get a text being like, yo, have you got all these questions written down? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as creative as you with these. And I'm like, I need some new questions. I can only ask people which sock they put on first so many times. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, those, those are some cool ones. And I think, like you said, it's all about the intention. So you can be as creative as you want. It's not about the answer. It's about creating that cool vibe culture and, and giving some people just you know it's fun it's fun for them it's part of the best hour of their day exactly it's it's all about having fun it's all about again engaging people and you know meeting them on their level and and opening it because like you know you start if when you start a class with a question you're setting the intention of hey like you can talk to us like this is a conversation this is not just me barking orders at you you know this is we're engaging you and we want to be engaged back I like that. That really says a lot about that. And I'm going to use that favorite weapon tonight yeah. when I coach. Last two questions. So the first one and I, I ask these often is, what's one belief you had in the past that you now know is false? Um, there is a God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We don't want to. We don't want to get too philosophical. <laughs> let's, get, let's, yeah. let's keep it CrossFit based. <laughs> but, it, but that's something, important to know if that's your belief. <laughs> what's something that uh, I knew t I thought was true? That's a tough question. That's what, um, that's, what that's what we do on this podcast. Yeah, yeah ask the hardening questions. What's something that I knew? Um, I think. I don't know if this is like would be my number one answer, but something that I think it's, it's certainly related um, is because we were just having this conversation at the gym where I felt like, especially when you're a smaller gym, you know, you think you can kind of micromanage everyone's training, you know, and you think that, you know, if someone is say overtraining or whatever, and you know, again, it's, I'm not saying don't have those conversations with people, but I think that like in the beginning, I, we, we, tried to take so much ownership over what people were doing in the gym. Now, what's important for us is obviously the movement quality, balanced programming, people are moving safely within their limits, et cetera. But, you know, when you, when you are this big of a gym, you know, you have to let people, you know, be adults and learn from their own mistakes. So if someone say, say it's overtraining, you know, but they're not breaking any of the rules of the gym, they're coming in, they're doing their thing, they're, you know, moving well, you know, we're not going to tolerate bad movement or anything like that. But, um, 
again, like letting people be adults, you know, letting, you know, it, it's, I think you want to curate a culture, you want to curate, and part of that is like movement quality, culture, training, longevity, culture, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's our role is to create that positive culture. But ultimately, like, you know, you got to, you know, let people find out, you know, what works for them, what doesn't work for them, make their own mistakes sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I think a mistake I made was just, you know, and it comes from that same place of caring, but it's like, right. doing, you know, try to convince people they're doing too much or try to change their nutrition habits or encourage them to take rest days. And it's like, all of that's important, right. but if you try to do that for a hundred or a thousand other people, it's draining. Yeah, you just can't. And you end up feeling like you put it on yourself, like, oh, what am I doing wrong? So like, you know, we just had a, a staff meeting and we were talking about this and, you know, I was saying like, our role is to provide quality programming, balanced, safe programming. Our, pro our job is to run, you know, safe, effective, efficient classes. Our job is to give people the best information that we can to help people, you know, to, to, to give them all the resources they would need to be completely successful. But ultimately you know, these people are adults and they're going to have to figure some stuff out on their own. And we can't, you know, take it on the chin every single time someone, you know, does something that we're like, oh, they shouldn't be doing that, you know. And again, that's, I just want to be, I've mentioned a couple times, be specifically, this does not mean like poor movement because that's something that we have to curate very intensely at the gym. Yeah, obviously, I mean, your coach, like, you're not like, hey, you don't have to swap low parallel because you don't want to. Right. But you're saying there are people that go to class and then try to do x y and z after and it's there's only so yeah. much you can do to to curb that but you right. do your best for their hour and ultimately you're also running a business and you want people to support that business which means keeping them happy yeah definitely all right last one slightly off topic you were involved in regionals for many years also the games what's the craziest story you have from you know david was in charge of a lot of the judges and scorekeeping and all that any crazy stories from some of those crazy athletes. <laughs> yeah, I have one. Um, <laughs> what, what year was the kettlebell swing? That overhead kettlebell swing? We oh, no, outside. I know. Um, that was, I believe, 2000. And where there was 100 kettlebell swings in that one? Yeah, it was like a 500 rep workout. It was the first time they'd program kettlebell swings. It was an American swing. And, you know, they were staunchly like, like it has to be completely vertical overhead. Um, so, which is a tough, you know, call, like they were saying, like, you know, if it was like 10 degrees off, the kettlebell wasn't perfectly vertical. It's a no rep. Um, so, you know, there was the, just the no reps, the no reps were, you know, on sale that day. They were left and right. And, um, I remember I left, you know, I was like between after that workout, there was a little gap and I left to, uh, just walk around vendor village and check out, you know, whatever for the first time. And I was still wearing my, my regional of the director shirt. And I remember having, yeah, big mistake, which I have since that literally since this moment, every year, you know, after that, I would tell, you know, the judges and like, once you leave our back area, take your shirt off, you know, you are no longer an ambassador for, for the, the <laughs> like, just be a person, you know, it's trust me. But I remember I, um, I was walking around and, you know, some, some friends, I don't know, uh, relatives, who knows, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever of, um, some competitors came up to me and they were like, you know, kind of reaming me out about all these no reps that were going on, et cetera. And I had this woman who was just in my face and she was saying how 
she actually had qualified for regionals, but she had a miscarriage and she would have rather have had her miscarriage than, you know, be judged in this event because of what this, what she was seeing. It was just like, it's one of those things where you're like, I can't, I really don't understand your priorities. Like, <laughs> I just don't. I was so dumbfounded by that. And she was so serious about it. You know, she was like, I had this miscarriage and I'm glad I did so that I didn't have to, you know, and I'm just like, I really feel now, you know, I was, I was working for CrossFit. So I was like, I just feel like this conversation has devolved to a place I'm not comfortable with. Have a great weekend. I'll see you. And I just got the fuck out of there. <laughs> Sorry you feel that way. Yeah. But you get a lot of, I mean, there's, I got a million little stories of just, you know, other athletes, judges, spectators who kind of insert, insert themselves in their narrative in a situation that you're like, where, what planet are you living on? man? <laughs> like, uh, it's a lot easier to judge, you know, from uh, the comfort of your own home watching on Facebook live than it is in front yeah. of the athlete. Yeah. We had some crazy, you know, back then is a little different. Were, were you there the year of Lauren Plumet? came into Albany CrossFit at the end of sectionals or regionals. And yes, was like, I was. Oh man. That's a story for another podcast, but yeah, it was, uh, what's the, yeah, we, we'll keep it up. That, that's a situation I regret. That's something that I think, uh, if I, if we're talking about the same thing, yeah, that's yeah, the, the chest of bar like, pull-ups. Yes. The chest of bar pull-ups there. That's something that I would have done differently, but you know, hindsight, you know, it was the wild, wild west back then. That's what it was. It really was. It was, <laughs> you know. You know, it, it, Dave Castro was like, hey, guys, you're in charge. Do what you yeah. want. And it was yeah. like, all right. Well, yeah, long story. I'm sure you can find all those stories online somewhere if you want to Google stuff. But, yeah. David, it's been great. It's been, you know, it's it's hard to believe that, you know, it's, it was right around 10 years ago. Uh, no, it was 11 years ago now, right? But 11 years ago. Coming up soon, we we met at Albany CrossFit when you walked yeah. in to register and then you competed. <laughs> and it's been amazing to see your success. And I hope that if people have listened this far, that they have really taken a lot from it. Because like I said in the beginning, you run one of the most successful boxes in all of CrossFit. And it's no doubt because of the culture you've created and the hard work you put into it. So I'm really proud of you and to be your friend and i thank you for being on this podcast thanks i really appreciate that and uh yeah same thing with you it's been great knowing you all these years and like I said, there's not too many people who can go far back in terms of crossfit and understand the culture and the evolution of this community and, and what this thing is like you and i um so yeah so it's really cool and i appreciate you having me on to uh, hopefully give some people some nuggets of advice or insight or whatever the case might be and then uh, i'll just say you know we have a uh, i have inside the affiliate.com which there's kind of an archive. There's a bunch of stuff on there if people want to check out more. But like I mentioned before, some of the uh, videos on the journal and stuff like that are up there. I'm not like a big self-promotion person. Like I've got some stuff out there, but I'm not trying to make myself a brand. I'm not trying to make myself, you know, I'm not really selling anything. Um, you know, my, my job is, is running my gym. But uh, there's definitely information out there that I figured, you know, just pay it forward. It's worked so well for us. It's got to work well for other people too. Yeah, if you want to learn more of some of these topics, that's really what's on that site. It's a great site, great resource for you, your coaches, you know, even just as a member, how to be a good member of a box. But in addition to that, people can check you out. I believe your handle for the box is just CrossFit South Brooklyn on Instagram. 
Yeah, on Instagram, it's at CrossFitHealthBrooklyn.com, and I run our IG. I run the gym's IG, so uh, you can definitely get at me that way. Otherwise, um, I'm also on Instagram. It's just uh, David Osario and two little underscores. Yeah, if you want to see David's trip to the Guggenheim later today, <laughs> check, 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 out his, check out his Instagram. Yeah. All right, well, it's been great having you on, David. I hope people check that out. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason.